get the memo. For the last couple of weeks, we bring on Olin Buchanan here on Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Go Hour, presented by the Warehouse of CCE Creations. All right, OB, I'm not calling myself a prophet because I didn't predict anything. But the reason we watch sports, part of the reason we watch sports is because, yes, you are who you are. But sometimes in sports, good things are contagious, good things happen. And look, A&M baseball has a long way to go for us to feel like they've turned the corner. But I did say last week and the week prior, like if they figure a little bit of pitching out, it would be interesting what they do in Hoover. Have they figured out some pitching? It well, sure feels like it. Well, they've had some good pitching performances. They've had the two best performances of the year in the postseason. And I would say other than one inning against Arkansas, mm-hmm. they pitched pretty well in that game too. And there was a kind of a... Bizarre circumstance in that inning. And look, there was a rocky moment yesterday when you walked, you know, we we're yeah. all watching it in the uh-huh. bullpen. It was a little rocky. All that being said, this is why we love sports. This is why they hired Jim Schloss Nagel. This is called Schloss postseason ball because he knows how to get the most out of his players. Again, there's a long way to go. You may lose to LSU today. You may beat LSU today. But I am at least intrigued. I'm impressed. And they are trending in the right direction because they have enough hitting, as we've seen. Mm-hmm. You get, and, and that was dominant pitching. What Justin Lampkin did yesterday was dominant. Seven innings, one hit, nine strikeouts. What, did he strike out five or four out of his first five batters? Something or, like that. I don't know he was Five hot. out of his first yeah. six. Just ridiculous, right? Like, And we're getting it now when it matters. And I also told you, OB, and this is not like just a David Nuno thought. This is an everybody thought. What they're facing in the SEC it has to be easier at the regional. And when I say easier, it's probably not the right way to phrase it. Ten teams from the SEC are going to make the NCAA tournament. Should. It should. I would be shocked if they do not. Uh, with A&M being the 10th one, of course. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it over and over. But um, when they get into the SEC tournament and you play Tennessee – and uh, Watson comes in and he throws a one-hitter over eight innings, right? Yep. And you're thinking, you know, what, what, what's going on with these Aggies? And then they play a game. They take uh, Arkansas into 11 innings, uh, a bona fide national championship contender, and you had a chance to win that game. Again, in uh, the inning where Arkansas got a grand slam, there was a catcher's interference and some bizarre plays that you rarely see. Okay, things happen. Uh, but then you bounce back. With your guy yesterday, just what was it? One hit over seven innings. Yeah, two shutouts. Couple shutouts. Aggie baseball pitching registered the first two nine-inning one-hit shutouts in SEC tourney history. Man, for a team, for a team that's been struggling on the mound, completely only. struggling on the mound for the most of the year. And and again, look, I know there's a lot of you got to like, you got to embrace the good. When, you, when you're always upset about the bad, and then when the good comes, you're just expecting the next bad. No. I'm expecting the next good. You want to live in misery over there? Go ahead. I'm enjoying this is This is what we hoped for in these storybooks. Look, they got a long way to go. I keep yeah, saying it. no doubt. But right now, at least it gives you optimism because the, two of their guys are looking really good on the mound. And now Will Johnson going to go today. Who last time he took on LSU? I think in was it March? Yeah, first, it was early in the first year, series, right? It was the first series. I think he got the win in that series. 
So let's go. And LSU's a team that's had some pitching issues. Of They've had some itch- issues. So, so he's uh, pitched the other day, so he ain't pitching today. Well, yeah, you know, again, you go into every game because of the lineup that A&M has thinking yep. you've got a chance to win. But now with the, the pitching coming on and, you know, let's see if, if Johnson can keep it going. Now you don't just feel like, okay, you got a chance to win. Now you feel like you got a good chance to win. Yeah. You know, not just a puncher's chance to say. Look. And it's not. It's, you're starting to get these moments, these memorable. I think your legends are made in the postseason in all sports, right? Okay. You're starting to get like, look at the, the what Nathan Dentner did last year, mm-hmm. right? In the, in the uh, Notre Dame game, what Wansing did, what De, uh, excuse me, what uh, Lampkin did, what we've seen from Jace Lavalette. How about Trevor Warner yesterday? Three for four, had that big triple to start off. The, like we are starting to see. Moments when they matter against the best teams in the country, not just the SEC. Hey, how about Lavalette's uh, diving catch Good gosh, in, in right field? Oh, by the way, we've got some video. So you know that Schloss is he's made it. He's been on um, the SEC Network, and they do, which I think is ridiculous. These I, interviews I during the game. I can understand during the, uh, the the break in the inning, right? I can understand that in the half inning. I get that. But during the game when he's trying to manage, so SEC Network put a compilation of some of these, and finally the curse was broken yesterday. Let's take a look at this uh, from SEC Network. He said he he said it like wasn't his call, and then last night they they oh Jesus wow he's been that way since he's been on campus. Thanks guys. Oh, such a great game. Such a great game. Bad luck in these interviews. No, you, you got it. Look. Oh, see, it was. I told you. All right, listen. Okay, we'll right, talk see, to you. See, see, hey, good, see you later. Hey, Bye. good talking Goodbye. with you, Sloss. Uh, see you, buddy. It. See ya. It looks like you're getting some starting pitching. This one to right. Oh, Come on, Jace. Catch this, please. Yes! 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 The dream is still alive. The curse is broken. There we go. That was good. Yeah, it's kind of like the, what was it? The Cubs always had the curse that went for like 100 years. Yeah. Was it 108 and years? I and think it's finally broken, and fortunately, that the the uh, the, I mean, the SEC network, uh, Jim Schlossnagel curse, was only what three three appearances before that, but that was three too many. Well, let's let's get some more production value on the show. But, but I'm with you though on on why why does that add to the to the game? Well, that particular compilation yeah, added was funny, but, but, but yeah, no, you're right. Like, but, uh, and I get it. look. You go to the commercial. Hey, let's do a quick interview in between innings, and we'll show it. It's OB. It's like you right now. We're doing the radio show, and if you're trying to do your taxes while you're doing the show, like you know, like no, like you, the way the brain works, we're not AI yet, right? Like the way the brain works, you can only do one thing at a time. Well, it, it makes no sense. But and there's nothing bigger for a coach than winning. Um, let's hear from Schloss yesterday after that uh, the second win there in Hoover. Uh, first of all, uh, congratulate South Carolina on a great regular season and best wishes uh, in their postseason. Uh, and Coach Kingston, a uh, great friend of mine. So uh, we're excited, uh, re- really proud of Justin. Uh, had, a, had a great feel that he was uh, going to be ready to go. When I walked down, I thought I was going to be the first guy at breakfast this morning, and he, was in, he beat me there. So I knew he was ready to pitch. And uh, he's a great strike thrower for us, has a great future. We're building this program around guys like him and, and of course, Trevor, who's really 
really stepped forward, not just as a great player, he's always been that, but as a leader on our team, both with his, his words and, and with, his, with how he plays. So um, it doesn't surprise me that he's driving in runs for us. All right, Jim Schlossnagel yesterday. If you want to be a part of the discussion this morning, you can do that multiple ways. You can call us up or text us on the A&B text line, 979-693-1150 A&B, a call station branch of the Amarillo National Bank, Good Texas Bank, and the website com. Hello to our friends on the CW here on, on television. Hello to our friends on The Zone there on uh, AM 1150. And, of course, uh, hello to our friends at com and YouTube. By the way, OB, I'm already – not only do I want A&M baseball to get as high of a seed as possible, and they could be a two-seed potentially, potential, right? Um, I'm kind of hoping for a South Florida-like regional. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing that out there because yeah. I know we're going there for football season. Uh, but the reason I bring that up is I've been, I've been in contact with Aaron Leatherwood, who runs the uh, South Florida A&M Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're listening this morning and just giving them a little shout-out because, look, when we're there, we're looking for things to do, Right, right. I'm uh, going to be down there anyway. Uh-oh, that's right. But I think I'm down there the next week. The next week, yeah. So, uh, because n- I leave for North Florida on Monday. Monday, that's right. We have the SEC meetings coming right. up, right? Yeah, spring meetings. So, I'll be there, and then I'm going to come home for one day and then head down to South Florida for vacation. I do have some questions about the SEC meetings. We'll get to it at some point during the show here. You're still here Monday to do the show, though, yes. right? Yeah, you'll leave right after. By the way, we will do a show on Monday, uh, Memorial Day, and we'll find out where uh, A&M is headed um, right after that show. So we'll have some... Uh, some it appear- apparently, it, it appears that uh, Austin is no longer necessarily in the mix. When you lose pos- two straight at the Big 12 tournament, yeah, you're, you're going to lose your regional site. Sorry. It would have been easy, though. You know, it m- Maybe A&M should be able to host in Texas maybe, to come here. Maybe if you win it. Um, or... <laughs> Dallas Baptist still has a chance to host? Right. I know they supposedly have a real small f- park, but that really shouldn't – that the size of the park should not uh, factor in to uh, to hosting. But Dallas they, Baptist, A&M, TC, who was the other one I heard that could end up there? Um, hmm. Be interesting, yeah. a little regional. And I've also heard Oklahoma State is a possibility. Oh, yeah. But – I'm with you. I would rather spend uh, time in South Florida Actually, than, I don't than think, Stillwater. I don't think South Florida, to be honest with you, because I don't think I make that trip. I think that's a Bronny special. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to be jealous of Bronny eating uh, sandwich guanos and cortaditos. Bronny sunbathing down on South Beach. In a thong. I've seen it. And all these people trying to push him back in the water to save his life. <laughs> we'll have the baseball bunch on during the 9 o'clock hour. Let's go behind the glass and say hi to Nick Savage. Nick, good morning, sir. Howdy. Good morning, y'all. What's up, bro? I'm just excited. Another great pitching performance. And I'm, what I'm really loving about this SEC tournament run is is the Aggies are getting a chance to uh, get shots at teams that got the better of them in the regular season. They're getting to face LSU again, who got the series against them. Tennessee got that game, obviously lost to Arkansas. But who knows, might get a second chance at them uh, if they can uh, you know, keep going. But I know you wanted a little track and field update, David. I'll give that to you real quick. On the women's side, Caitlin Fairchild, Leanna Davidson, Texas's uh, future social center, uh, I guess, attendee. And uh, Jonir Thomas, the long jump. Those uh, two previous uh, girls are in the javelin. They qualified for the NCAA, NCAA Division I track and field championship meet, while uh, eight other girls advanced to the quarterfinals. And on the men's side, a couple of guys uh, um, qualified for the national championship meet. And uh, I guess I should give a quick shout-out to Eric Casares, who runs the 500 me or 5,000 meter semifinal later this morning. So rooting for him and uh, I believe 10 other dudes are in that uh, quarterfinal today for the for the uh, Aggies. 10 other dudes. 
10 other dudes. I like the way you said that because Kevin over there was laughing up a storm. Let's go to the news in Social Center. Kennedy, Kevin, good morning. How embarrassing not to turn on your microphone. I did turn on my microphone. Uh, I was muted in the background. That was, yeah, that was on our end. That so. was Nick's fault, not mine. Okay, so how embarrassing by the host to think it was your fault. Yeah, that's embarrassing for everyone but me, to be honest. What did OB do? Yeah, Owen's just vibing over there. He's fine. Me and Owen are the only ones not embarrassed about that. Yeah, you should be embarrassed that's about fine, something though. we talked about earlier. But go ahead. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Um, she likes to fly kites. Sorry. What? Nothing. Go I don't on. even know how that correlates. Um, because I don't want to say what we we're talking about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So, <laughs> on the other side of things, other than baseball and track, we also have the NCAA men's golf uh, tournament championship this weekend. If y'all were wondering, were y'all I, wondering? At all? I was wondering. Of course, I was. Of course. Sammy Bennett, his last, uh, his, his last, last run as an Aggie. Well, his he's last always an Aggie. Sorry, as an Aggie Competing athlete. Competing for Texas. Yes. Thank you for phrasing it correctly. He's and always an Aggie and the best. If I'm not mistaken, he's the one that kind of clinched this trip for us, right? Uh, he clinched going into the yes. uh, the playoff hole. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they did tie for fifth at the uh, cliffs at Kiowi Falls um, in Salem, South Carolina, to make this trip, and it starts today. Um, I'm not sure exactly what time um, tee off is, but I do know that at 5 p.m. on May 29th is the uh, final round for individual stroke play, and Thank then we kind of just go from there. Thank you very much. Yes, and then also Uh-oh. I saw this Sorry. text message. There's more. Oh, and there's more. There's more, duh. There's For a limited time. More. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say this real quick. <laughs> Somebody said, um, "I thought we watch sports to live vicariously through others and get angry when our unrealistic expectations are met." I just thought that was funny. That is funny. Look, it's very true. I'm enjoying this run. Regardless, I'm enjoying it. It's with Jim Slosnagel. Look, we've said it several times. He's going to win a national championship at Texas A&M. And when you look at the roster of coaches that we have here, look, Jimbo's got to step it up this year. There's 1,000%, and I'm, I'm expecting a big step forward. You better have a step forward from 5-7. and seven. But you look at, we had Garrett Chadwell in the studio the other day. Joni, who I bring up often. Trisha. Uh, Corton, what he's doing, who still has a chance to, to win a national championship this year. Like You look at Coach Pat Henry, the legend. There's, there's a lot of optimism, Gee. excitement, and good people running the show. Yeah, um, uh, I know G's had a coach. She a couple absolutely of, couple of seasons that are maybe not as successful as usual, but his track right. record is amazing. Been into the, has he been to the soccer final four? Hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And and Jamie Morrison, the new volleyball coach, looking yeah. forward to what he looking can do for, over yeah, there as absolutely. well. So yeah, I think uh, the for the most part the athletic department's in pretty good hands, but um, but now you got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to do but it. But you have accomplished people in charge. So, all right, we'll uh, we'll get into some more here on Texas Radio. When we come back, I do want to go through some of these stats that Ethan Jones has put together for us uh, when it comes to uh, Texas A&M baseball. We'll do that. Plus, we'll uh, talk to John Harris, actually. He's making a Friday uh, appearance on the program. But before we do that, let's talk a little Fargo's. OB, it's Friday. It's Friday. You know? And look, I know you're a meat guy, I am. But, but on Friday, you're a catfish guy. I am. Well, catfish is, is still a meat, right? I mean, it's, it's flesh of a, of a living of being, a, or a, once living being. Uh, it's the 4C day. Catfish, coleslaw, corn, and crunchy hush puppies. Crunchy hush puppies. You can't, can't go wrong there. I, I'm not part of Team Hush Puppy, 
But I'm not against it either. Yeah, I Does that make, I know that's your thing. I love them. Yeah. In you fact, throw them up in the air. Uh, yeah, heck yeah. I uh, Sometimes I'll go to a place, and they, if they have French fries, I'll say, can I just get extra hush puppies instead? Really? Yeah. French fries are very hard for me to resist. I prefer the hush puppies. And I, and I like coleslaw. And I know you're not big I'm not on team coleslaw. coleslaw. But it doesn't matter. Like, if, especially if it's, if it's done well. And then corn. Who doesn't like corn? But catfish. Catfish is the star of this show. But and I love catfish. Tomorrow, what's the star of the show? Oh, uh, uh, rib tips. Mm. R- rib tips is always the star. And beef ribs? I love beef ribs, especially yeah. big old beef ribs. Oh, just huge, just right? Arr. Bite into like it's a. How would you bite into it? Like, arr, yeah, that's what like thought. a pirate almost. Arr, give me the beef rib. I think I need you to do a pirate voice for the rest of the show. All right, <laughs> that's what I think. Fargo, seventeen oh one South Texas Avenue in Bryan, without a doubt the best barbecue in town. That is their trademark because it's true. Go check out Fargo. Without a doubt. Captain Obvious here, Texas Radio, presented by David Gardner. Schuler's here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Go Hour, presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations. OB, obvious or not, A&M's pitching has been much better in the postseason than it has in the regular season. Uh, very obvious. Well, it's obvious, but now I'm going to paint you the picture, if you will. Okay. Ethan Jones, who's our stats junkie, got us some numbers. During the regular season, A&M pitching was allowing 9.4 hits per game. Okay. One right. inning. Yep. Right now, they're averaging 3.3 hits per game. Man, that's like three times as good. Pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Actually, that's, that's brilliant, actually. Regular season, runs allowed 7.4. During the SEC tournament, two. Wow. Walks are a little similar, unfortunately, because there was that one game. I'm yeah. not going to remind you guys, but there, there was a bunch. SEC regular season, 5.8. During the SEC tournament, still lower, 5. Okay. Strikeouts during the regular season, pitching staff, 8.8. Strikeouts during the postseason, 9.3. You want the biggest one? ERA? I'm giving it to you, baby. I don't even think I said baby correctly. 7.4 runs per game. That was what they were giving up during the regular season. 1.29 in the SEC tournament. There Again, just go. three games, but these have been the most important games. Heck yeah. And, uh, you know, they we've always felt like, yeah, gosh, if they could just get pretty average pitching. But they've been getting way above average pitching. Yeah. Some spectacular pitching. If they can if they can pitch anywhere in the same neighborhood moving on, I mean, they, they, they could, there'll be a threat to not only get into the uh, playoffs, but be able to make some noise in advance. But wait, there's more. Okay. There's more. Texas A&M shut out both Tennessee and South Carolina and Hoover this week. The only two times... They have shut out an SEC team all season long. The only other time A&M has pitched a shutout this season was against HCU on February the 28th. Houston Christian. Houston Christian, correct. Um, wow. And, and, you know, South Carolina is hosting, right? Or projected to be a host. Yep. And you shut them out. Tennessee, I don't think, is projected to be a host, but that was a team that's been, uh, at one time, was ranked like in the top five. So it's... Another stat that Ethan put together for us, Texas A&M averaged 1.4 wild pitches versus SEC teams in the regular season. In their SEC tournament games, they've had... The big donut, huh? The big zero. donut. The big zero. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been remarkable. Um, it's been a remarkable turnaround. You just... You, you want to feel like, okay, uh, this is where they're 
not just trending, but this is where they're going. You know, the not saying that they're going to throw one hit no, over seven I, or eight innings, but I mean, you're thought. taking on the the LSU is one of the best teams in the country, one of the favorites to win it all. You got them today. Like it's it's not going to always be easy. It's not always going to be one hitters. But let's enjoy what we what we're having right now. If you just get a semblance of the pitching you've gotten, you've got to you can beat anybody. And they might. All right. Uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation, text us up on the A&B text line, 979-693-1150. There's a few we need to get to here momentarily. Uh, we'll, we're going to come back, though, with John Harris. But before we do that, let's talk about the Association of Former Students who love helping out. That's what they do. Uh, you know about Coaches Night. We had them over the last couple of weeks, and they've helped out in so many different ways. But Coaches Night was great because Coach Fisher, Jimbo Fisher, was everywhere, right? He was in College Station, or he was in the Brazos Valley. He was in, in uh, Austin. He was in Dallas. He was in Fort Worth. He was in Houston. right? He was all over the place talking. And the Association of Former Students made that happen. And they make so many other things happen as well, like Aggie Park. They gave that gift to the university just a year ago. They're going to keep expanding it, making it even better. That's what they're doing. They give back to this great community. They give back scholarships, student assistance programs, Aggie Band, Silver Taps, Rain Day, Class Reunions, Mustard Tailgate. It is what the association does, and they do it for people just like you, listening all over this great uh, the country and around the world, because I know many of you are listening all around the world. They do it for people just like you. So they created a website to show you their why. You are their why. Check out IamTheWhy.com. Again, that is IamTheWhy.com. A collection of stories about Aggies from Aggies telling about their time at A&M and beyond. You can upload your story on there as well. IamTheWhy.com. Again, is the website IamTheWhy.com. All right, we're back. Next Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Go Hour presented by the Warehouse of CC Creations. He's Olin Buchanan. I'm David Nunez. We have not done this together, an interview with John Harris. Typically, I have them all to myself. We had to change the schedule up a little bit this week. Part of it was because Johnny's schedule, and then on Thursday, A&M ended up playing the morning game, so we moved it to today. So we're teaming up here. FootballTakeover.com and Texas sideline reporter John Harris on the program. What's up, Johnny? How are you boys doing? Usually it's how's David doing, but how are y'all doing? We're doing all right, doing man. well. What's going on with you? I don't know. I got to get used to like three people in the boxes here and try and figure it all out. <laughs> well, Johnny, I want to start things off with a Uf- UFC at question for you. Okay, I know we're not a UFC show, but it's and I've talked okay. about it a little bit this week. There's a lot of being made about Tyson Fury, John Jones, right? And if you don't know the origin story, but I don't know if you know about I this. Don't. Do you know who either one of those guys are? I've actually heard the name uh, Tyson, Tyson Fury. Fury. And I've heard the name John Jones, but I think it's not had anything he's, to do. He's, a, bad, like he's a bad dude. A, I just figure there's probably about a million people named John Jones. Well, this dude is a bad dude. So uh, Joe Rogan made a comment on his show about, I don't know, a couple weeks ago that um, if John Jones and Tyson Fury walked into a room together, right? Tyson, uh, John Jones is the one walking out. And Tyson Fury was irate. Yeah, he went on a rant like, no, brother, (laughs) I'd destroy him. And Joe Rogan, you're wrong. And he posted on social media. So then John Jones is like, you can find out. So then Fury kind of switched it. No, 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 I'm talking about boxing. But that wasn't the original premise. So John Harris, I know you watch UFC. I know you watch boxing. If Tyson Fury and John Jones walked into a room, you know, not necessarily the octagon, where anything can go in a fight, who walks out? John Jones. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely think that mixed martial artists are the, the most 
uh, I, I don't want to call them the, the most incredible athletes in the world, but they kind of are um, because of what they can do with their lower body that sometimes, you know, a, just a pure boxer can't do um, and how quick and long John Jones is. So, uh, and, and maybe you should say John Jones in his prime, but still just the ability of mixed martial artists to dominate the lower body is it's, it's insane. Um, and just the Brazilian jiu-jitsu work uh, that guys do in the MMA. And my, I, I just have always been fascinated by that. Yeah. Tyson Fury is, is long and can punch and yeah, that might sting a little bit, but the second John Jones darts in and shoots in on him and Tyson Fury's like, Whoa, what do I do? Jones has got him. I mean, he'd, he'd tap him out in a quick second. So I think John Jones, I give, you know, look, you want to make it a street brawl? Uh, sure, go ahead. But I'm sure that John Jones knows how to take a kick and do something with it offensively um, using his mixed martial arts. So, yeah, there, to me, there's no question. John Jones walks out of there in like 30 seconds. But I think John Jones is that guy. By the way, I felt the exact same way. And you could probably talk about this, OB about Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. I thought, had it not been a boxing match, Conor would have killed him. Death. Death in the, in, in the octagon. Well, it's definitely you're uh, doing something that, that you know, you see a fighter, they, they, like, like John was saying, you get to use your legs and things yeah. like that. So you're taking away some of the things that make you dangerous, right? Right. And and having to, to, to play the, you know, uh, Mayweather's game. So yeah, I mean, if if you maybe if you'd said, "Hey, we're going to do this as a UCF style fight," then of course Mayweather ain't taking it then in that in that situation. Johnny, how, how's CJ Stroud looking in camp? That's good. I mean, it's not perfect. You know, it's a uh, you know he's a it, there's so many different things that uh, a rookie quarterback in in the NFL has to has to deal with, and you know one of them that's I mean it it sounds dumb but it, it's hugely important. It's actually calling the play. And when you get in the huddle, how do you call the play? And when it's a pass play, that thing's pretty long in especially the verbiage of, you know, the San Francisco 49ers offense that Bobby Slowick is now tailoring into his offense here. But I can see it with CJ because, you know, I could I could tell when it's going to be a pass play because it takes him a little while in the huddle. He's kind of got his head down. So I know what he's doing. He's listening so Bobby, tell him to play in his ear. And that's the other thing he's got to get used to, too, because you can't do that in college, obviously, which I wish they would allow. Allow the coaches to, to talk in the ears of the quarterback and therefore maybe, you know, 2013 Auburn isn't stealing plays from everybody uh, throughout that season. But different story uh, for a different day. But you can tell he's kind of listening to the play and he's trying to get it. And then Bobby's repeating it as he's trying to then go into the huddle and give it to him. So there've been a few times where he's gone into the huddle and he's trying to get every single piece. He's kind of thinking through it right now. It's not rote memory as hopefully it will be sometime soon. Um, but he's getting used to that. And I think that's the, that's, that's the biggest thing for him because once the play starts and he has to find an open receiver and then throw a catchable ball to that particular receiver, uh, he's got that part down. It's just a matter of making sure that, the play that that Bobby Sloak wants to run and the play that the uh, 10 other guys on the field hear him say in the huddle, that all matches up. Because once that happens, he's 
he's as good a thrower of the football as I've seen. Um, and he's he's thick too. Uh, I mean, he's he's not Bryce. There's, there's no question about that. But he's thick. Um, he he's got so many mannerisms. I know sometimes Texans hear this, Texas fans hear this, and they kind of cringe because of what happened off the field. But he's got so many mannerisms of Deshaun Watson. I mean, they're I mean they're not identical, but they're very similar. I remember Deshaun as a rookie. I mean, it's kind of that same way they move and throw. There's just so much about them that's similar. And I hope the on the field production is the same. I just hope the off the field stuff is completely and totally different. John, obviously a lot of attention on C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, a lot of excitement about both of those guys. Are there um, any lower draft choices or even free agents that, that that you might find particularly intriguing? Yeah, Obi, I mean, think, you know, take Dell got everybody excited for sure um, for the University of Houston. But I, I think the receiver that's really got a chance for the rookie class, um, that could be very, very interesting. And Big 12 fans got a chance to see him at Iowa State, and that's Xavier Hutchinson. Um, he was a guy that I think he was second or third in the country in catches, but he ran in the four, five, four, four, like mid four, five range. And so I remember seeing him at the senior bowl and I remember saying to somebody, you know, he doesn't do anything at an elite level, but he does everything really well. Well, that resulted in him ending up in the sixth round. And it's funny because my opinion on him sort of changed. I talked to a buddy of mine. Uh, who covers the Eagles up in Philadelphia. And I was kind of like, you know, Xavier Hutchinson. And I started to say something. He goes, oh, I love that guy. And I was like, really? You love this guy? I was like, man, maybe I need to take a better better look at him. And so I went and I got three games from our film department and broke him down. I was like, boy, he's he, – my buddy's right. He's really good. And so we got him in the sixth round. So I'm excited about what Xavier Hutchinson can do. But the key is going to be which of the two interior linemen do we draft. Uh, Jared Patterson from Notre Dame or Juice Scruggs from Penn State. Which one of those two guys wins a center job uh, and turns an offensive line into being, hey, it's good at every point but center into, hey, it's good across the board because they now have a center. Uh, and whichever rookie does that can solidify the offensive line. But kind of keeping it Aggie-centric, the, the success of that offensive line comes down really to one guy. Titus Howard and Larry Tunsil have proven themselves. Shaq Mason is one of the best still in the league. And whoever the rookie is at center, you know, we'll see. But what Kenyon Green does in year two, I think is going to tell the story of this offensive line. Um, and it's got to go from a tough year one, Kareem Jackson-like year one in you know, 2010, to the next year, Kareem Jackson was one of the top five defensive players on the team in 2011 on a defense that was really, really good. That's what Kenyon Green has to do. He has to take that leap. He has to get his body healthy, which he's doing. Uh, and then go out on the field and show what he really can do, which you guys saw, uh, obviously, for three years and then before that in, in recruiting. So he, to me, is the key, not a rookie, but a second-year guy that we really have to rely on this year for that offensive line to get to a different level. Johnny, let's talk, talk a little college football. So I know Caleb Williams is your, your best quarterback in college football, and I think you had Drake May like right in that same pecking order. Um, talk to right. me about Drake May, what makes him so good, and then partic- uh, maybe who's number three, if there is a number three that's close. Well, I, I think it's one and two, and then I think there's a little bit of a gap, and then I'll handle that part. I, the next quarterback on my list is Michael Penix from Washington. If he's healthy, he had four straight years of season-ending injuries. Uh, then he transferred out to Washington, wanted a different opportunity. He got out there with some stud receivers, and they started putting up numbers. Um, and he's left-handed and has a howitzer. I mean, he his arm strength is I, – I, I was dumbfounded. Like, wow, he just made that throw? Now, he's also the 103-mile-an-hour fastball that hasn't 
control it all yet. You know, he's still sailing it at times. But when he's on, Michael Penix from Washington, I think, has got a definite chance to be the number three quarterback. With Drake May, it, you know, I was trying to come up with a comp for him because he's almost 6'5 and he's 220. So he's not quite as thick as Justin Herbert. He's not as tall as Trevor Lawrence. He runs, I think, better than both of them. I don't think he has the arm strength either one. So he's kind of in the mix of all that. And so what I came up with was kind of a, a the playing style of Robert Griffin III before his injury in Colin Kaepernick's body. So if you can kind of think of Colin Kaepernick playing kind of like RG3, and I say that because I think RG3 before the injury was a much better passer than, Nick, than Colin Kaepernick ever was. May can make some throws that are like, I mean, they're Joe Burrow-esque. I mean, his, his accuracy can be absolutely on point, and he can run. And that's – I think last year when he saw man coverage and got blitz and he would see a gap, he just took off and ran. I think he had automatic because he's that good of a runner. Um, I think it went to, man, who's going to replace Sam Howell to at the end of the year going, man, should Drake May have been playing instead of Sam Howell at North Carolina? I think Drake May is fantastic. Um, thankfully here in Houston, we have CJ Stroud. So I won't be as glued into the quarterbacks this year, but still it's college football. So everybody's watching quarterbacks, but it'll be Caleb May or uh, Caleb May, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix can hear his name. I think Spencer Rattler, if he's got, see, he's, there's such a love hate relationship with Spencer Rattler, but I mean, he's got an opportunity to do some great things in that South Carolina offense down his second year. He just can't mentally implode or have immature moments, which, uh, you know, he's had before. Um, I think it's a really, really good year for quarterbacks. I don't know how great the year is for quarterbacks in the SEC. That's going to be kind of interesting uh, to see who kind of emerges as the top guy in the SEC. But the top guy to me is Caleb Williams, and Drake May is not far behind. And the only reason that they're probably ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. is just because they're quarterbacks. But Marvin Harrison Jr. might arguably be the best – I mean, he might be the best receiver I've studied maybe ever. He's incredible. Johnny, uh, last thing for you, you got about a minute left here on the on the uh, on the segment. This Harden and Pat Bev talk back to Houston. Uh, look, we, we've got Dallas audience, San Antonio audience, but just quickly, is that that's not going to really happen, right? I hope not. I'm sorry. I hope not. I mean, what did it do for us the first time? We had a lot of talk about strip clubs and a hundred thousand dollar bags being given to the baby for birthday gifts. I don't like I forget it. I mean, you went young these past few years for a reason. What does bringing Harden, Harden in on a max deal do? And if you bring in Harden, you bring in Pat Beverly. Look, I, mean, I know the young guys need some some mentoring. But are, are we just going back to those two guys because, well, they were here before and it worked so well? It really didn't. I, I, I'm completely against the idea, especially if it's going to be a max deal for Harden in particular. Uh, no, you can, you can miss me with that. You want to be, bring back P.J. Tucker? To help the guys? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think P.J. is a great leader. I think he would be helpful. Harden's going to dominate the ball, and I think that's going to end up being an issue uh, with the young talent they already have, to be honest with you. Johnny, appreciate you, brother. Talk to you soon. Good talking to you, boys. We'll see you soon. FootballTakeover.com's John Harris, Texas sideline reporter. All right, uh, let's talk Heritage Films for a moment. That's uh, Chance McLean's company. Johnny and I actually worked with Chance at uh, 1560 The Game years back. Chance is just a real creative guy who not only started a radio station, has done Broadway musicals. He's actually made movies, and, and now he's moved into 
these documentary-style films for families because that's what uh, Heritage Films is all about. It's about taking your family story and putting it on video, and it's something for your, your kids to enjoy, your grandparents enjoy. Every, whoever's in your family, they're going to enjoy it. But I want you to understand one thing about it. This Heritage Film thing is done such at a high-class level, like I'm talking Netflix-style documentary. It's something that the next generation and the generation after that is going to be able to enjoy a family story. It could be about your dad. It could be about your uncle. It could be about your family ranch, your family business. But it's a documentary film that's going to be passed on for generation after generation. Chance does it, uh, and he's so creative. It takes him about eight to ten weeks to get it done, and then you'll have it. You'll have this awesome documentary that you can share with all of your family. The website is yourheritagefilm.com. Yourheritagefilm.com, 713-893-8341, 8348341 Now we're back Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio Go Hour presented by the Warehouse at CC Creations OB Got a little note today um, from Miranda. It says, uh, be on the lookout for details regarding the preseason kickoff next uh, Wednesday. Um, it's a nonprofit event which supports the Kids First Fund. Head coaches from different Aggie sports will be there to talk about the season as well as Texas Ag staff, raffle items, and Aggie athletes. Registration will open next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. It's always a good event. That's Yeah, that's a fun event. I always look forward to it. I, I do, too. I do, too. It's, um, it's good. By the way... Miss Cabin, you're getting some props on the Texax chat on Texax.com. People are so you gotta say hello to people. I saw that. Thank you, Calvin One. That was Did very you respond to you. Um I have not responded yet because I just got back to my laptop, but typing something up real quick. All right, yeah. That was very sweet of him. Very or sweet. Or her. I don't I mean I'm guessing him. I, but I haven't Calvin's met Calvin's probably a guy. Yeah. I haven't met a dude named I mean a female named Calvin personally. It I also haven't. could be a last name. You never know. It could be. That's that's a good point. That's right. Because I have heard met a female people. Calvin. Well, I've heard of people with the last name Calvin. Like who? Matt Calvin. Matt Calvin. Big, yeah. They call him uh, MC, right? Didn't he play uh, for the Rockets? Matt Calvin. Matt Calvin. He was an NBA player. I okay, I believe from back in the day. I, I should know this. Maybe he didn't play for the Rockets. But maybe he did. Calvin Mack, I, I remember. No, Matt Calvin, yes. NBA player for the Cleveland... Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, and some okay. other teams. Yeah, look at that. Matt Fort Calvin. Worth, Texas, 75 years old, went to USC. Matt Calvin. See, that's that's why you're here on the show because you know things, Ob, and and you're good. Let's uh, do a little uh, pay the bills here with Bank on it, presented by Vera Bank, authentic relationship based built banking for real life. Go see Joel Jackson and the team. Learn more at verabank.com. You know, I can't I can't say it's going to be another one hitter. No, I can't say it's going to be another shutout. But you know, I'm to the point now. I think. Uh, good pitching. Good pitching might be contagious. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm banking on another very good pitching performance. Doesn't mean that they'll necessarily win because they had a good pitching performance against Arkansas. Didn't win, but I'm banking on the Aggies pitchers coming out with Johnson and whoever else might pitch and having a really solid day today. I'm banking on something similar, but I'm going to phrase it a little differently. I'm banking on we're going to get better pitching moving forward. That doesn't mean one hitters. That doesn't mean this game against LSU is A&M's. I'm just talking in general. I think there's been signs now for two consecutive weekends that pitching has been trending in the right direction. 
and maybe the back's against the wall. It all matters now, along with what I think has been some really good timely hitting, um, a leadership increase from Trevor Warner and production from Trevor Warner recently. Brett Minnick's out there doing big things, Targo doing his thing, and we know what Jace Lavalette. So I think the fact that the offense seems to be in good hands with just better pitching than we saw, that, that means the Aggies are going to be very dangerous at the next level because they are going to be in a regional and uh, potentially even as high as a two seed. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. You know, now I'm kind of excited about it, uh, of the possibilities yeah. now that they're getting um, pitching. Because like you said, you know, they got guys that can knock it out of the park up and down the lineup. Maybe they could and, – and they got uh, maybe not the hits last – the base hits yesterday, but they got the – ball in play where they could score, whether it be a sacrifice fly or hit the ball on the right side of the infield, you know, to get a guy yeah. home. And how about this? Their defense all year long oh, has been man. phenomenal. Their defense is good. Hunter Haas, hello. It's not per well if you hit anything at Trevor, Trevor Warner, Warner, yep. If he gets in his glove, it's an out, right? Because that arm. And then Jace's diving catch yesterday. And yeah. And you know, forgive me, but when I look at at uh Jace Lavalette, I don't look at him and think, oh, there's a guy that can make uh, that an acrobatic play. catch yeah. like that. And then he does. Not only that, the guy can steal bases. Steal bases. Hits home runs. He's hit, a, he's hit some more. Can I please get 2020 this year? Not the show, the stat line. I think there's a really good shot at it. You know, I, I've noticed something that Kennedy Cavan loves to laugh at bad jokes. Huh. I am a bad joke laugher. <laughs> Dad bad jokes, right? <laughs> Specifically. If we made a shirt that said, Bad Joke Laugher, would you wear it? Oh, yeah. Was... Y'all haven't seen my new shirt that I ordered off of Etsy, but our viewers wouldn't like it. So What does it say? It's a picture of Harry Styles and Taylor Swift. I love it, but that's just me. Owen already rolled his eyes at me, so that's why I wasn't going to say anything, but I Who, said it already. Who's the more feminine of those two? Owen. Um, I would probably say Harry. <laughs> but that's okay. Welcome to 2023. <laughs> OB, thank you, sir. Yeah, what, you bet. When we come back here on Texags Radio, the baseball bunch, Scotty Clendenin, Richard Zane, and Ryan Broniger. All that. I don't know why my voice does that sometimes. That's next on Texags.